This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Are you ready to get into the Word today? We are finishing, we are finishing our sermon series, A.K.A. Say it with me, A.K.A. Also known as. We've been looking at the names of God, a.k.a. represents, we know, a a name that somebody goes by. It might be an alias, a legal name. Uh, It might be a pin name, a maiden name. It's some way that you are referred to, a.k.a. Names are important, and we've been looking at the names of God. The names of God are vital to understanding the nature of God, the character of God, the ways of God, the way God works and moves, how he identifies to us, especially in the circumstances and the situations of our lives. We learned in the very first week that it unlocks for you and I a treasure, a treasure of understanding. I'm convinced that we've got to go deeper in an understanding of God's nature and character and his ways. And God reveals it to us by his names. When we understand the names of God, it enables us to walk a godly life. It's the secret to a godly life because you understand what's happening around you. Because you know who he is by a name that he's revealed himself by. And it invokes in us an awe, an awe for the presence of God As we said earlier, the glory of God, the manifest presence of God that is revealed by his names. We've looked at Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah uh, Rohi, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh. And today we're going to look at a name of God on Pentecost Sunday, Rock Elohim, the spirit of the living God. We're going to look at how God's spirit empowers us enables us and helps you and I in our daily walk. I don't know about you, but we can have a lot of knowledge about God, but it's through the Spirit of God that I live out, I walk out, I, 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 I do what God desires, and I fulfill His plan and His purpose in my life. And so today, we're going to look at that. Bow your heads with me as we just open in prayer, and then we're going to turn over to the book of Acts to begin our word today. Father, I thank you that we can come into your word into your presence, that we feel you, we sense you, we know that you are here today. And God, we just want to say that we love you, God. Today, we love you. Will you just say that to the Lord? I I love you, Lord. I love you. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your glory. And today, God, I pray that you'll open my eyes. Lord, open my ears. Lord, help my heart to be open to a revelation, oh God. A revelation of of who you are, of of wisdom and, and, and discernment and the glory that comes. And today, God, I pray for a refreshing in the spirit. I pray for a renewing. I pray for a baptism in the Holy Spirit. I pray today that, Lord, you will just come powerfully, especially in these next few minutes as we look into your word. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, if you're worshiping with somebody, if you're in the building, turn to somebody and just say, the Holy Spirit is going to pour out on you today. I believe it. 
He's coming. He's here. We feel him. Today is the day of Pentecost. It's the day that we celebrate the birth of the church. It's the day that we're going to look at where the Lord began to reveal to his disciples and instruct them and, and empower them when they were in the upper room. He instructed them to wait, to wait in Jerusalem. That's where they were, to wait for the, the Spirit to come and to empower them. And they were in that upper room. If you've ever gone with us to Israel we go to a room that would be very similar to what the upper room would have been like that day when they were in there. Quite honestly, it's not a large room. If, if you've ever been at our Fort Lauderdale campus or if you're in the building today, it's, it's not even as big as this whole stage. It's about a portion of the stage that I'm standing on right now. 120 filling that room would have been full. And they're there. They're praying. They're pressing in. And by the way, you want a fresh outpouring of the spirit on your life you want to put on the anointing of God you want guidance and wisdom from God it all begins by waiting on him and seeking him and pressing into the glory of God allowing the spirit of God to be manifested can I just hear an amen for those that are in the house Fill us, Lord, with your spirit. And they were in that upper room, and it wasn't a, a large room, but they were praying and they were seeking. An old word is that they were tarrying. As they're soaking in his presence, and they're pursuing him and desiring him. They were waiting for the outpouring of the spirit. Man, every time I've taken a group into the upper room there in Jerusalem, you can feel that atmosphere. And by the way, I love it. On nights ablaze, I feel it here. When you're in that atmosphere where you know God's spirit is moving and he's searching hearts and he's, and he's turning in your spirit and something is happening. Don't you love the presence like that? I mean, that's what I love about Nights Ablaze, and I'm so excited that we're back to having Nights Ablaze because we can, as a church, just press in and touch his glory. Well, in Acts chapter 1, he says to wait. He says to them in verse 8, you will receive power, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, the primary purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to be his witness, to overcome fear, to overcome doubt, to allow the Spirit of God to, to give you an anointing. Yes, we get the gifts of the Spirit and we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But the primary purpose of the Spirit is that we will be his witnesses. In Jerusalem, that's where they were. They were in the upper room. They were in Jerusalem. So your primary place of the anointing of God and the Spirit of God flowing through you is where you're at. For us, that is in South Florida. That's right here. If you're in the building, if you live in New Mexico, it's in New Mexico. If you live in the, in the Cayman Islands, it's in the Cayman Islands. If you're watching me right now from Austria, it's in Austria. You are his witness right where you're at. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes we look past our neighbors. We look past our coworkers. We look past those that are around us into the world, and we neglect to reach the Jerusalem harvest that's right before us. Our prayer is that, God, you would accelerate the impact 
of Christian Life Center in South Florida, on all of the campuses, four campuses. I'm praying for more campuses. Can somebody agree with me? We're praying for something in the southeast, something in the northeast. We're praying that God would increase the influence and the impact of his glory in and through our mix. And so he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. By the way, Jerusalem is where they were. Judea and Samaria was close to where they were. But Judea and Samaria represented people that was near them, but wasn't like them. They disliked them. They were of a different race, a different ethnicity. They had different cultures and customs. They probably listened to different music. They probably ate different kinds of food. They were near them, but not like them. And Jesus says, you're going to be my witness among them. Can I hear an amen? And can I tell you, to be a witness, you've got to build relationships. So many, so many times we think it's about an activity or an event. We go and we just proclaim. But the most effective witness is one that has a relationship. And in the relationship, you show somebody how God is working out his word in your life. So you'll be my witness at home in Jerusalem. We call it the Jerusalem harvest. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then you'll be kingdom builders to the ends of the earth. Well, when we read this, they were in the, the upper room and they were praying and they were tearing. There was a promise that was given. Then a few verses later, over in chapter two, we see the fulfillment of the promise. Click over to chapter two and verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, today represents the day of Pentecost, 40, 40 days after the resurrection. They were all together in one place. By the way, in unity, God releases an anointing. In unity, God pours out a spirit. We must guard the unity of the church. We must walk together in one mind, one heart, in one accord. Doesn't mean that we'll agree on everything. Doesn't mean that, that we are uniformed in our thinking, but we're unified as we walk together. Unified in what? In the mission, in the vision, in what God has called us to do under the banner of what God has called us to be. And that is his people called by his name, anointed and empowered for the mission of the glory of God. So we walk arm in arm. We might see things a little different, but there's something that unifies us and we're unified in one mind and one heart. You're my brother, you're my sister, we're the family of God. Man, at Christian Life Center, we get the privilege of showing what unity looks like to a world that's around us, diversified amongst us and from every tribe and tongue, every color and race and ethnicity, every economic group. Man, we get to exhibit what this scripture is talking about. Can I hear an amen? So turn to somebody around you, someone that's not like you, but they're near you and say, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We might have a Jamaican with someone from Trinidad. We might have a Caucasian American with a Haitian, right? We might have someone old with somebody young, but we can say that we're unified and we're desiring the glory of God. We walk together, we bleed together, we cry together, we rejoice together. Come on, somebody. It was Pentecost. 
Pentecost unifies. It's always unified. You see, when you walk in step with the Spirit, when you keep your eyes on the Spirit, the things of this world grow strangely dim, doesn't it? The issues of the world don't seem to be issues of the Spirit. Man, when we walk in the Spirit like that, there is something that God does. And in that moment, they were unified. Suddenly, a loud sound, like the blowing of a violent wind. It didn't really blow in there, but it was the sound that came. And it came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were. Then they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire, and it was as though it was coming down, and it separated the Holy Spirit coming down and separated on each one of them that was there. I want you to underline it was all, all of them, not just some of them, not just a few of them, not just the pastors or the apostles or the elders and leaders that was there, but who? All of them turn to your neighbor and says that's you we all we are this all of them were filled with the holy spirit and they began it was a sign of the baptism of the holy spirit they began to speak in other tongues not tongues that they had learned most of us here many of us speak one or two or three languages in this room Many of those languages you learned, this was not a language that they had learned, but the Spirit of God enabled them. The Spirit of God filled their mind. It, it could have been a heavenly language, an angelic language. It could have been a language of the world of that time. We don't know for sure, and we know from experience, from many, 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 that it could be all of those. And yet, at the same time, it's a, it's a language that the Spirit gave to them, and they were all filled and spoke in other tongues. They were enabled. The Holy Spirit did his work. They were empowered. And, and they the Spirit enabled them. And through that, and when we receive that experience that we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. This experience that I'm talking about and reading about is what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When that happens, all of a sudden for you and I, there is some things that God begins to do in and through our lives. Can I say that first of all, we begin to become more aware of his love, of his power, of his anointing. There's a joy that begins to flow. When I walk in the spirit, there is a joy that comes from my life. If I'm not filled with joy, then I'm not full of the spirit the way I need to be filled with the spirit. Oh, but pastor, I'm Pentecostal. Yeah, you had an experience where you spoke in tongues, but that is one thing to another thing of walking in the spirit. I've been around a lot of spirit-filled people that were pretty angry. They were, they were, they were pretty bitter. They were, they were not walking in the spirit. Oh, they had an experience one time, but they weren't living it and walking in it. They needed a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Usually those kind of people just kind of sit back at church and look at me like this. They're not here. It's when I go guest preach other places, but it's just kind of like... They're all religious and uptight, you know. They need to let their face know they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They need to let the joy of the Lord flood their soul. <laughs> 
I know I see things optimistic. I know I say build up and not tear down. But some people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, all they want to do is tear down, right? I know I tell you, encourage and don't discourage. But I just feel like when the Holy Spirit comes on you and when God fills you and you're walking in the Spirit, all of a sudden you see like Jesus saw. And that is, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. There's just something in me that says God has more. And if there's more, I want it. And it was more than just being in the upper room and getting filled with the Spirit. But now it's moving and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Man, I love being Pentecostal. I love believing in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I am so glad I didn't grow up in a tradition that says, oh, it was just for the apostles. It was just, oh, uh, it was just for those in the Old Testament. It was, or in the New Testament times, in the birthing of the church. It was only for them. No, 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 no. It was for us today. I can tell you. I've been around the world. I've seen the spirit move. I've sensed the power of God. I know what it means to be filled and refilled and overflowing with the spirit of God. And I desire that more and more and more in my life. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. He comes alongside God the Father and God the Son. Jesus called him the paraclete. The paraclete is literally one that comes along next to you. He is your helper. If you walk in the Spirit, you're saying, Holy Spirit, every day, I need you today. I need wisdom. I need discernment. I need my spiritual antennas to know what you want. And I'm not talking about just what color, uh, I, I would say ties, but nobody's in ties anymore, you know. But not just what color outfit you should wear or, 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 or what kind of car you should buy. The Spirit can guide you there. But I'm talking about issues that are far beyond that, right? I'm talking about should I go left or should I go right in this decision? I'm talking about there's an issue in front of me and I need to figure out, God, what do you see? What's your perspective in that decision so that I can reach up and touch the wisdom of God for the situations that I'm finding myself in so that God can see me through it? He is my advocate. He is my helper. I'm telling you, he's like a lawyer for you that comes along beside you when the enemy is attacking you and criticizing you and saying that you're worthless and you're no good and you're never going to amount to anything and you are an accident and the way your life is going is the way it's destined to go. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit comes up and says, don't listen to that. He's a father of lies. He's a father of lies. I mean, he can turn your immigration issue just like that. It's stuck on a desk somewhere. But all of a sudden, the advocate comes up and he says, today is the day. Somebody's going to come tonight and I guarantee you tomorrow some things are going to change in your life. I know it's going to happen. Why? Because we have an advocate. We have, a, we have a helper. We have one that's going to come along next to. He is your counselor. He is there. And I'm telling you, I need it. I depend on it. I desire it. I, want, I wouldn't want to walk through this time in this age without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Man, he's the spirit of promise. He's the eternal spirit of God. He is the one that adopts us into the family of God. It's the spirit of Christ on me and working through me that I desire in my life. 
We see that name in the Old Testament as Rock, Rock Elohim. It's a Hebrew word. My tongue doesn't twist in the back of my throat the way it should to say it just right. Pastor Nadine will correct my Hebrew tonight. But he is the spirit of prophecy. He is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of revelation. He is the very spirit of the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit desires to come and live within our hearts and our lives. Can I hear an amen? Look here with me in John chapter 1 and verse 12. Look up on the screen. But as many as received him, to them he gave what? That's a dunamis power. It's a power that comes from the Holy Spirit to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, it's true. When we give our hearts and lives to Christ, the work, the beginning work of the Spirit in our life is this work of salvation where we're being sealed as a part of the family of God because of the work of Jesus Christ in our life. When you give your heart to God through the Spirit of God's wooing you and calling you and convicting you, we'll talk about it in a moment, there, there is, there is a, a sense in your spirit that you know that you're a part of the family of God. We have the Holy Spirit in us at salvation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is now where the Spirit is not only in us, but He's on us and flowing through us for the work of ministry, to be His witnesses and to do what He's called us to do. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is something that we read about is for all. Go back to the book of Acts for me. Let's continue on. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, down in uh, verse 14... Peter is going to stand up. Peter stood with the 11 and he raises his voice and he dresses the crowd that was there because the crowd was amazed what was happening. As they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they came down and they're speaking in tongues and and those that were there began to hear them speaking in their own language. And that's how we know that When you begin to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're filled with the Spirit and you're speaking in tongues or your prayer language that God will give you after your baptism, it can be a language of the day and the time. It can be an angelic language. It can be a a, 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 a prophetic language. When they heard them speaking in tongues, they were amazed. How can this be? How can they speak? These unlearned men... They had not learned our language. How could they be praying and and speaking in our language? And Peter stands up and he says, raises his voice, says to the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who are here living in Jerusalem, they had come in for the feast and and, and, and for the, 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 the Pentecost and all that was there living in Jerusalem. And he said, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. That in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Now that hits all of us in this room, amen? Sons and daughters, young men, old men, we're all here saying, God, Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Here in the Old Testament, we see that 
Rahim, the Spirit of God, is two words. I don't know if we have the spelling of it for the screen, but rock in the uh, uh, Old Testament literally means the wind or the breath of the Spirit. The, 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 the word in the New Testament is the, the pneuma, the wind of the Spirit. Over 400 times it's mentioned in the Old Testament and it reveals the activity of the Holy Spirit. And here we see that in, in the Old Testament, God breathed. Genesis chapter 1, we see the very first place of it where he breathed into Adam and gave Adam life. Rock Elohim. It was a hovering spirit, the spirit of God over the waters and the scripture pictures and shows for us where the spirit of God, as God blew, in a sense, into Adam, it gave life to Adam. In the New Testament, we see that that life is now breathed into you and I, and the Spirit of God comes into us and empowers us and enables us in our spiritual walk. This year, in our spiritual growth campaign, we're going to dive really deep into how to walk in step with the Spirit, how to understand this that we're talking about today. If we go back to the story of Peter in Acts chapter 2, and we look back there, we see that in the early part of Jesus' ministry, he calls Andrew and Simon Peter, and he calls them to come and, and to be with him and to walk with him. And it says in the scripture there that Jesus called Peter the rock, Cephas the rock, that he was that which he was going to build his church on. Now here in Peter's story, we know that Peter had a lot of failures. It's been said that he actually wasn't a very good fisherman. Every time he went fishing, he never caught anything. Jesus had to show up just so he could have a livelihood. He wasn't a good fisherman. When he took his eyes off the Lord, got out of the boat, we give him credit for that, but he didn't keep his eyes on the Lord and he began to sink. When Jesus told his disciples to watch and pray, what did Peter and the others do in the garden? They fell asleep. Peter was impetuous. He was a strong-willed, loud-mouthed, impulsive man. When they came to arrest Jesus, he, he pulls his sword and he cuts off the ear of the soldier. Peter's the one that denies Jesus in the garden three times. Three times he denies him. But on the day of Pentecost, you see, no matter what our past looks like, our failures, what we've done, how things have gone in our life, on the day of Pentecost, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, when you allow the empowerment of God, when, when God begins to breathe life into you, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came on Peter, he became a different person. He became one that was empowered and enabled. And on that day, he stands up where he didn't have the boldness to confess Christ to the slave girl when he's denying him. Then on the day of Pentecost, he stands up and he preaches with boldness. And 3,000 are saved that day. He had an authority, an authority that enabled him. So in our final moments of this message, I set up, and tonight will be a continuation of this morning. But when I set up for you, I just want to share with you a, a few, maybe even theological things of understanding what happens when we allow the Holy Spirit 
to enable us, to empower us. The first thing is that the Spirit of God begins to convict us. Say convict us. What do I mean by conviction of the Spirit? Is it begins to prick your heart. When, when, you're, when you're desiring the work of the Spirit, it's the gentle whisper of the Spirit. He's nudging you. He's guiding you. He's convicting you. What? Of sin in our life. He's convicting you where you've stepped out and you're not where you ought to be and he's gently bringing you back and he's leading you back into a place where you're standing in the grace and the glory of God. It's the work of the Spirit. Why is that so important? It's because grace is only released in your life through repentance. And so the work of the Spirit is getting you and I to convict, to convict us so that we will repent and turn back to God and turn from the sin so that we're standing in the grace of God. Now, Paul says in Romans 6, don't abuse the grace of God. Don't abuse it. Don't say, oh, I can keep on sinning because I have grace. No, no, no. The Spirit is convicting you. He's pricking your heart. He's weighing on you so that you will move back to a place where you stand in the fountain of God's grace. I don't know about you, but for me, it's like standing in the waterfall and knowing that I'm standing in grace. I'm standing in grace. I'm saved by grace alone. I can only get to God because of the grace of God. And the Holy Spirit is convicting me to that place. Now, I need that in my life. In fact, Paul says, I needed it daily. Paul, the apostle Paul says daily, I examine myself to make sure I'm in the grace of God. Daily, I allow the Holy Spirit to convict me, to show me what you said wasn't right, what you did wasn't right, what you're thinking isn't right. What you're doing is going to lead you away from the very place of God's grace. It's the work of the Spirit. He convicts you and I. It's like an alarm that goes off in your spirit. When you step out of the righteousness of God, the alarm goes off. Aren't you thankful for the alarm? I mean, come on, aren't you thankful for it? Now, I'm not talking about your alarm clock. <laughs> the alarm of the Spirit. And by the way, I love when godly people are around us because they are an alarm for the Spirit as well, right? How many mamas out here, you're an alarm for your kids. You're, you, you know, you just keep nudging them, <laughs> pushing them, dragging them. Come on, somebody. If we could tie them up and pull them in, we would, to the place where they're standing in the grace of God. A second thing that the Spirit does, he convicts us of sin, and John 16, 8 says that, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. But the second thing that he does is he indwells us. Romans 8, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dwell, dead dwells in you. He raised Christ from the dead, but he also gives life to your mortal body, to that which is dead because of sin comes alive because of the presence of God, because of the work of the Spirit of God that moves you out of your sin through conviction to the grace of God where you're standing in the fountain where God has reached down into a miry pit and pulled you up. Now you're standing in his presence and you have the presence of God with you. On the encounter, we unpack a little bit of this where in chapter seven, Paul will say, you've got promises and those promises makes you and I make sure that we purify ourselves. 
And one of the promises is this promise right here. In chapter six of 1 Corinthians, he says to you and I, the promise is that God's presence will be with us. Now, why is that important? Don't lose me theologically right now. Is if I sin, I begin to move away from the presence of a holy God. One thing that God cannot allow is sin in his presence. God doesn't move, I move, you move. And so when we sin, we are moved out of the presence of God. So the alarm goes off and the spirit of God begins to say, you're leaving the presence of God. And he begins to convict me to get back into the grace of God, into that place where the grace is flowing in my life. And why is that so important? It's because as that grace flows, the presence of God is being manifested in me and you as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Powerful, powerful. Romans 8, you will be indwelled by the Spirit and he will give life. The power of sin will be broken. Death will be overcome. Spiritual death will be defeated because of the work of the Spirit. Tonight, we're gonna do that. I hope you're here. I hope you tune in. Tonight, we're gonna just sit in the fountain and we're gonna let the Spirit flow, amen? We're gonna do it tonight. The third point I wanna wrap up, the third point that I want you to understand about the Spirit is he guides you and he teaches you. Your advocate, your helper who's standing with you, John 14, 26 says, who is the Holy Spirit? The Father is going to send him in my name. He will teach you. A work of the Spirit is a work of illumination. He illuminates what you do not see. Now, I'm, I'm getting a, a little bit older, <laughs> To the point that I got to wear glasses. Anybody, anybody wears glasses? I have to read readers. Anybody? Man, we have a young church here. <laughs> and I was sitting over there in the dark earlier, and I was trying to read the service order, and I forgot what was next, right? I, 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 didn't, I didn't remember what was. And so I'm, I'm, I'm squinting. I'm trying to look, you know. And man, I want to take my phone out and turn on my light. Anybody ever turn on your light in a restaurant? Okay, I'm, I'm feeling a little better. But then I didn't want nobody to know I was turning on my light, you know. So I like turned my phone over, tried to get the shine, trying to illuminate what I couldn't see. It was there, but I couldn't see it. I had seen it before and I had read it before, but I didn't remember and I needed it illuminated. That's what the Spirit does. He illuminates, He teaches, He reveals it to you. It's a work of the Spirit of God. How does he do it? He does it in preaching. He does it through his word. He does it through testimonies with one another. He illuminates. Illuminates what? The will of God, the ways of God, the purpose of God. He illuminates what God desires for you. Open doors that are around you. He illuminates it. And he fills you with that boldness that gives you a confidence that as he illuminates the path before you, now there's a confidence in your walk. Not only does he teach you, but we've talked about it, he guides you. When the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth comes, John 16, 13, he will guide you. When you desire it, he'll guide you. When you ask for it, you seek it, he'll guide you. When you call upon him, he'll give you the truth and he'll guide you to it. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears from the Father. And 
He will tell you what is yet to come. The fourth work of the Spirit is He transforms us. What do you mean He transforms you? Well, it's the renewing of your mind. You live in the world, and because we live in the world, if we're not careful, the values of this world we begin to embrace. We begin to take hold of the customs and the culture of the world. So the Holy Spirit comes to transform me into the image of Christ. It's only through the Spirit that this can happen. What does that mean is that when someone, when you look in to your life, like looking at a mirror, you're looking at the very nature of Christ. It's the essence of Christ. It's the person of Christ. Oh, he may look like Pastor Sean, Pastor Veronica. He, he, he may look like Danielle or Vince or, or, or Elizabeth. He may look like Mike on the outside. But man, it's the Spirit of God radiating from you. Why? Because it's the transforming work of the Spirit. Your old nature, your sinful nature, your carnal nature is transformed into the nature of Christ. You now look like Christ, think like Christ. You live like Christ would live. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, it can boil down to the nine fruits. That's the work of the Spirit. Now, it sounds easy, but can we be honest? That's a hard work. Just when I think I've overcome the issue of patience in my life, something happens and it tests me and I realize, okay, God, I need another measure of grace because some extra grace isn't required in this situation right now. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, love. Boy, as a society, we've been tested on that this last year. The church, unfortunately, failed this in a lot of ways. Love, joy. What's joy? Joy is no matter what the circumstances. Happiness is with the ups and downs of life. Joy is rooted in a blessed hope of who he is and what he gives me. It's the transforming work. Now, why am I staying here? Because it's so simple. Is because I think... It's the hardest work of the Spirit in our life. Why? It's because I live in this world. I get caught up in the values of this world. I'm pulled by the God of this world. I'm blinded. There's a demonic force of the enemy that's working against us as the church. And if we're not rooted in an understanding of the nature of God, the ways of God, the names of God, these things that we're talking about, then I give in. The transforming work. And lastly, he baptizes us. He baptizes us. He convicts us, indwells us, guides us, teaches us, transforms us, and baptizes us. We read earlier, all were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, verse 4 and 5, I read it at the beginning. On one occasion, I read verse 8. Let me go back to verse 4 of chapter 1, book of Acts. On one occasion while he's meeting with them, he gave them this command. Not an option, right? Not a suggestion, but a command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Until when? 
until you receive the gift that my father promised. Wait for the gift. Focus your attention on the gift, on the empowerment, on the enabler. Focus on that. You've heard me speak about it. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's for all. And today I've shared with you, the scriptures are very clear. It's for us as well. My desire for us is that we're asking God, fill us. God, overflow in my life. Help me, convict me, transform me, lead me, guide me, teach me, indwell me, oh God. God, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? Across this room, would you stand? Those that are watching virtually right now, I want you just to lift your hands with me. In fact, everyone that's listening right now, if you can, lift your hands. And I want you to begin to pray right now that the Holy Spirit will do his work in your life. Come on, begin to lift your voice right where you're at. Father God, we come to you right now and we begin to pray, oh God, that you will breathe on us, oh God. Rock Elohim, the Spirit of God's breath and anointing be released over us right now. And God, with hands raised across this room and those that are watching Father, I pray that God, the Spirit of God, will indwell us. Just begin to ask him right now to indwell you, to fill you right where you're at. Just begin to ask him to convict you, to bring you back into that place, that place, oh God, where we hear you and we know that you're whispering and calling us and that, God, we come back into that place where the grace of God is overflowing in our life. Convict us, oh God, I pray. Holy Spirit, pour out upon me, oh Lord. Come on, lift your voice and begin to ask him. Holy Spirit, indwell me. Fill me, guide me, teach me, oh Lord. Illuminate your word, your ways, your will, your purpose to me, oh God. Give me boldness, O oh Lord. Give me the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Transform me into the image of your Son, of the Son of Jesus. Today, with my hands raised, I pray. I pray right now, God, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.